0: Thank you.
1: to another edition of the TDN Writers Room. My name is Bill Finley. I'm a correspondent for the TDN. I also co-host the Down the Stretch show on Sirius XM Radio.
2: Hey, y'all. My name is Randy Moss with NBC Sports. Yes, I do know Mind that bird was the top horse to come out of New Mexico. We had that question on the show this past weekend and I kind of, I kind of was a little slow off the mark there, Zoe.
3: Come on, Randy. Really? You couldn't find that rabbit hole? Couldn't find that rabbit oh, hole. It all. I was up God. here somewhere,
2: but I couldn't pull it out. Yeah.
3: Uh, you know, I used the Senor Buscador one. I asked Michelle, you, I was said, Do you know what Senor Buscador means? She was like, Too slow. <laughs> <laughs> I know that's wrong, Michelle. It means Mr. Prospector. So, yeah, I did piggy bank off of you. And um, I never yeah, got I'm that getting...
2: into the show. Never got you it didn't? into the telecast.
3: Oh, well, I got it in for you. Good. So. Everyone down there in um, in the big suites, they, they all understood that. And some of them bet on him. And he ran massive, which we'll get to in just a bit.
1: Yeah, no picking on Senior Buscador. He ran a big, big race. Yes, he did. All right, guys. Obviously, let's take a look back at where Randy Moss was on Saturday at Gulfstream Park for the Pegasus card. And, uh, you know we, know, we knew going in that it was something that didn't have a whole lot of star power. But at the same time, what they did to make up for it was they had full field, very competitive racing. And it was a really good day of racing. You'd love to see an arrowgate type or a gun runner wind up in the Pegasus. But uh, that wasn't to be this year uh, with so many horses retiring and other horses looking for Saudi Arabia. So. We go into the Pegasus, and the really the marquee horse was National Treasure based on his Preakness win. I hated him, didn't think he had any chance whatsoever because I thought he was going to duel for the lead. He did duel for the lead. He put away the horse that uh, won the Cigar Mile and uh, then held off Senor Buscador. I've totally changed my mind on this horse. I thought that was a very, very good effort. And remember, he only lost by a nose to Cody's Wish in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile. I think this
2: horse has come around. Oh, it was a huge effort by National Treasure, and I was sort of in your boat, Bill. I mean, I, I didn't think he had no chance, but looking at his past performances, uh, and he made such an easy lead in the Preakness at historically slow pace, and then the biggest race of his life was in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile when he had a clear lead at a shorter distance. I mean, yeah, I knew he fought. He's always fought whenever he was in front and some horses tried to get by him, but In a very stiffly run mile and an eighth with a fast pace that he was a part of, I just didn't know if he really would be hanging around uh, for the last eighth of a mile. Uh, And boy, was he, because Senor Buscador came roaring up to him at about the eighth pole. And yeah, Senor Buscador looked like he got a little bit late. It was a very tiring racing surface on Saturday at Gulfstream Park. Uh, But kudos to National Treasure. Uh, he, He was even better in the Pegasus World Cup than he was in the Breeders' Cup Dirt Mile.
3: Yeah, uh, he he was good. Did I trust him going in? No. But watching him work at Santa Anita and knowing how Bob, how good Bob is at getting his horses ready on the day, he was my top pick in there. And I think the thing that pushed me over the edge was Flavien Pratt back aboard him and he won this race in the third quarter. He knew he had to go with first mission who drew on inside of him and they locked horns for the first half mile. But in the third quarter Pratt just took a breather and that was the winning move right there. He's like, okay, I'm just going to grab a hold of my horse. I'm going to let him take a breather and then I'm going to finish with a flurry. And boy, did he, that was the absolute winning move, giving hall of famer Bob Buffett, his third victory, In the race, as far as first mission, Um, he was involved just a little bit. According to Brad Cox, he didn't handle the track. He didn't handle the kickback and he will live to fight another day. Tom Ryan said about National Treasure that he's already back here at Santa Anita and Saudi would be awesome if the horse bounces out of it. But again, they're going to let the horse talk and they'll see what happens moving forward. But it looks like Senor Buscador may go as well. And, um, yeah, it, it was a terrific race. Randy, you're, you've got something. I can see yeah, the Yeah, you know, I turning. mean,
2: one of the things that I don't think we really fully realized, because there were so few dirt races and there were no other two-turn races at Gulfstream Park on Saturday, was exactly how the racing surface was playing. And in hindsight, watching the race, talking to the riders, it was an extremely slow track by Gulfstream standards, a very tiring track. And the riders all came back and said that the kickback on Saturday was punishing. And you can really see that by looking at the chart. I mean, first mission, got he was beaten 20 and a half lengths. I mean, when you get past hoist, really, when you get past the first three finishers and you go fourth place, hoist the gold all the way back, every one of those horses ran their last quarter of a mile no faster than 27 and change. Most of them 28 and change and even some 29 and change, final quarter miles. So a lot of those horses were just walking the last part of the race, right? And I mean, National Treasure didn't finish up all that fast because the pace was so fast. But uh, that just underlines to me uh, how game he was to still be in there slugging down the lane when Senor Buscador and Croupy, the second and third place finishers, came from last and next to last, respectively because yeah. of the aggressive pace and because of the tiring nature of the surface.
3: And one thing about Bob, Absolutely. when he sends horses out, he's not sending a short horse. So sometimes even if his horses aren't the best, they're just fitter than the rest and they can outslug it. They've been trained to slug in the morning and they'll slug in the afternoon. Now, he's and supposedly exactly- going
2: to stay in America. I mean, Bob uh, Baffert made a big deal post-race out of saying uh, that he's going to look for races in the United States for national treasure instead of I shipping so. them over to Saudi Arabia or to Dubai. So we'll see which races they plot out. But that's uh, that's good news as well. He's the only one of the three-year-old, the top three-year-olds of last year uh, that's really right now, I guess maybe first mission was one of them, but not really triple Crown. You know, horses that uh, that's still that's still in there. All the rest of them have been retired.
1: Yeah, and we'll see what happens to him down the road. I mean, a long way to go for horse of the year, but um, I could see him putting together a horse of the year type campaign. I want to get to the Pegasus turf in a second. I just want to make one more point. Um, I talked about how there were no stars on the card. Uh, But Gulfstream managed to handle forty seven point three million dollars on the program, up seven point eight percent over last year when they uh, bet forty three point eight. They have really perfected with this race the idea of the big event, you know, bringing out uh, entertainers that people like me and Randy have never even heard of, but are huge with the 23 year old crowd type of thing.
3: Calvin Harris was awesome. It was really a lot of fun in the Carousel Club. Randy, you, you should have come down and had a little bit of a bop. We left at 9 o'clock. We could, we could have still tucked you into bed. I was it packing. Was
2: really,
1: it
3: was really fun. I,
1: I thought Calvin Harris was a wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers.
0: <laughs> no,
1: he's a tall, skinny Scotsman. <laughs> had you, Zoe, had you heard of him before this?
3: Oh, you know, he I'm was- really hip. Yes, I have. And oh, He's Scottish. Right. He's one of the best DJs in the world.
1: All right. But anyways, um, they, they've perfected putting on a party, putting on a celebration. And, uh, you know, like I said, um, didn't take, uh, they didn't need an Arrowgate, of gun runner or city of light or a California Chrome to uh, to attract that kind of betting action. Okay. The other big race of the day was the Pegasus turf, of course. And, uh, what more can you say about Ryan Moore? My goodness. This was the identical ride he put in, in the breeders cup, uh, a turf aboard august rodan uh, he's boy he's got some big cojones the way he goes through those tight little holes on the rail and um he got the job done i generally zoe will get mad at me for saying this i think it's 99 percent the horse and one percent the jockey but in this case as was the case with august rodan i think the jockey made all the difference in the world um only other point i want to make is um rarely do i so disagree with betters why on earth was was this horse 2 to 1 in integration with 6 to 5 made absolutely no sense i mean warmheart absolutely should have been the favorite no knock on integration to finish fifth but but that was crazy the, the way they bet this race so uh, i think the overlay of the day 2 to 1 was warmheart
3: i absolutely loved her coming in and that was i had to watch her head on just to see how much room there was. And once Ryan got her head in that hole, it did open up, but he still had to stay there. And he's just such a smart tactical rider. He's saying, look, he goes, I know in America, the jockeys come off the rail, which they do. Horses get tired and usually they're finishing slower than they are in Europe. They don't have that finish. She had that kick to get in that hole and go away. She broke the track record that's been held since 2007. English Channel held that track record. She smashed that. It was just an absolutely brilliant ride by Moore. She'll now go to Justify, which, you know, not bad picking up a million dollars in her swan song and she'll head off to Coolmore. She's already there. So, yeah, terrific. Yeah, really. ride by
2: the only question mark, I think, going in about Warm Heart was the question mark that the Coolmore people had, was the question mark that th- that Ryan Moore had. Uh, Ryan admitted after the race, uh, and Aidan O'Brien kind of said the same thing, that Ryan wasn't exactly all in on the decision to run her in the Pegasus because of the mile and an eighth distance. Her best distance is thought to be like a mile and a half, a yeah. mile and a quarter she could handle okay, which she did in the, in the Philly Mare Turf at the Breeders' Cup. But a mile and an eighth was kind of a question mark. Would it be too sharp for her? Would it be too short for her? And Ryan rode her pretty aggressively in the first part of the race to establish a good position. And it wasn't a slow pace. And he was still kind of on the engine at the half mile pole to get her, you know, to keep her right up in there. Um, and as they were going around the second turn and he was right on the rail, a couple of lengths off the lead, sitting in third. Uh, he commented after the race, he, he had no worries at all about getting through inside because right. he had been watching main event. And not only do American riders tend to get off the rail, but main event was kind of leaning out a little bit during the running of the race. So he knew he would come off the inside. And even at the top of the stretch, right, when we were all saying, oh, man, what's he going to do? I hope he gets through. Does he have room? Ryan Moore was saying, I was just fine. I wasn't ready to go then. <laughs> he knew how much acceleration Warmheart was going to have once she found the hole. He knew what kind of turn of foot she was going to have. So even at the 316th pole, when we were all worried, he was like, I'm not ready yet. I want to wait a little longer. And then sure enough, main event drifted off at about the 8th pole. Boom. You know, before you know it, she's a length, length and a quarter in front. Uh, so another great performance by Warmheart, Easily the best horse in the race. Integration. I uh, finished fourth, uh, fifth rather. Uh, ran a solid race, right? Ran back to his 98 buyer speed figure, got a rail trip, a little bit of traffic in the running, the last three sixteenths of a mile. So maybe he can even do a little bit better than he ran, uh, in this particular race. So I I think we're going to see some big things from him going forward. Big race from catnip to finish. Huge. I mean, he was beaten only a half length and a neck. So three-quarters of a length with a three-wide trip around both turns. And Catnip showed in that race kind of what he did, uh, what he showed last year, that he's extremely tactical. He can turn on and off. Tory rode him very aggressively into the first turn and around the first turn to get position. And then he just throttled him down and he dropped back to about four, four and a half lengths back and then came on again to finish a good third. So those two, I think, are horses to watch, uh, especially going forward.
3: I thought there might have been an inquiry because right when they got to the wire, it looks like Frankie was running up on Ryan Moore's heels because I think Ryan drifted out. And you can see in the photo, Frankie's got his mouth wide open and he is yelling for room right there at the wire. Go back and look at that picture. I'm like, All oh, right. my God, Frankie might need to change his britches after this one. <laughs> but it, it, was, it was a very, very good race indeed.
1: Well, with all the stakes races on the card, we still have to talk about what happened in the second race of the day. And Randy Moss was nice enough to point out to me that we have to talk about this. And I know why. It was a maiden special weight race. And you get this sometimes uh, this time of year. Uh, Speak Easy wins the race for Todd Pletcher, got a 100 buyer number beat a horse by the name of victory avenue trained by gustavo delgado that horse got a 97 buyer number so you know horses racing in late january is it too late for them to make the kentucky derby maybe maybe not it's going to be um a a, a tough go but again talk about uh, betting how does todd pletcher send out an international good thing like this and it goes off at eight to one whereas victory avenue was three to two Yes, go, ahead, go ahead, Zoe
3: His works weren't great His works were not great at all He'd been at work several times down there At Palm Beach He drew the one hole And you know what, I was looking at him Because I bet all the races throughout the day And I just tossed him in Because I know how good Todd is first time out And you've got a rad But I didn't like him at all I liked his other horse that was in that race I did not like Speakeasy, the son of Constitution but sometimes when those gates open, Todd's horses just jump to it. And he ran absolutely massive. Now, the runner-up, Victory Avenue, ran huge as well. This is the same race that Mage came out of last year. Yep. And he went on to do great things. So it's definitely not too late. He ran his third quarter, in second quarter, in 21.9 seconds. He ran ridiculously fast. He ran a ridiculously fast Final quarter as well. So if you like Speakeasy, you have to like Victory Ave- Avenue as well for Delgado.
2: What well, Victory Avenue was the good thing. He was the horse everybody was talking about going in right. this race. The, um, very much the same ownership as Mage, the same yes. trainer, Gustavo Delgado. You know, they were talking up this horse as their Mage of 2024. The clockers were raving about Victory Avenue. And he ran a 97 buyer. He ran gigantic. But Speakeasy, you know, stamped himself as well as a horse really to watch going forward. Because it's 2024 and the way horses are trained nowadays, guys, I don't think it's too late for either of these horses to jump in uh, to, the, uh, to the Kentucky Derby picture, assuming that they, you know, they stay healthy and all that. I mean, I'm sure Victory Avenue will probably come back in a maiden race. And then if he wins, they'll look for his stakes after that. Uh, try to put him on the fast track. But a... You know, even before the day started, uh, the word was so strong about Victory Avenue that uh, someone involved with Gulfstream Park told me, you know, the best race of the day is going to be the second race. And, you know, I didn't really know what they were talking about. And then I looked at the past performances and then I started hearing things about Victory Avenue. So, yeah, that's really going to be a key race going forward, I think.
3: Got one more that won on Saturday at the fairgrounds just a touch. Watch out for him for trainer Brad Cox. I think we're going to see some of these three-year-old horses that just broke their maiden jumping through big hoops pretty soon.
2: He's a son of Justify. Yeah, it looked very, very good. Do
3: do want to remind you that the TDN Writers' Room is brought to you by Keeneland. We have a huge congratulations to all the horses and the connections of Keeneland sales graduates, as well as newly minted champions, Archangelo. Well done to the connections there. Elite power and up to the mark on their well-deserved victories at the Eclipse Awards. For those hoping to watch the next generation of champions in action, tickets for the Keeneland spring meet go on sale February the 20th for the Keenan April meeting, which runs from April the 5th to the 26th. We'll be right back after this message from Keeneland.
0: At Keeneland,
3: a horse will always be measured in hands. Hands that see, that sense, that speak. Hands that hold our sport to a higher standard. Not for our sake, but for theirs, for the love of the horse, for generations to come.
2: As always, the fastest horse of the week segment is brought to you by the fast sires at Windstar Farm, such as Improbable. Here's a nice stat. Improbable is the first horse since Seattle Slew to finish his two-year-old season as an undefeated grade one winner and then go on to become a a champion older horse, to win an Eclipse Award as an older horse. Improbable did it by winning the Los Alfi Futurity at two, and then winning the Awesome Again, the Whitney, and the Hollywood Gold Cup at age four. Improbable is from the immediate family of Hard Spun. His damn rare event is out of a half-sister to Hard Spun, so the bloodlines are there. And he'll have his first two-year-olds that will hit the track in 2024. Improbable stands at Winstar for $15,000. Now, Improbable was co-owned by Winstar Farm, China Horse Club, and also SF racing sf racing also the co-owner of our fastest horse of the week of course that would be national treasure for winning the pegasus world cup national treasure received a buyer speed figure of 105 just a couple of ticks below the 107 he got finishing second to cody's wish in the breeders cup dirt Mile.
1: Well, what would a week be without some drama out of the Bob Baffert uh, versus Churchill Down saga that's been dragging on way, way, way too long? Um, the week started out with Baffert and his owner, Amir Zadan announcing that they were dropping the lawsuits that they had filed, uh, that I believe uh, uh, Zidane was the main person behind it, that the lawsuits that were still pending uh, to try to get the Medina Spirit decision from the Kentucky Derby reversed. Um, there was an obvious, uh, F- an olive branch that they held out um, th- in their statement. They were actually complimentary to Churchill Downs and the Kentucky Racing Commission. Churchill Downs promptly said no thanks, Bob. Uh, thanks, but no thanks. You still can't run into the Derby this year. And I do wonder if Baffert's team thought that that uh, statement would get him reinstated for the Derby. It didn't happen. But now on we're doing this on Tuesday. On Monday, yesterday on July 29th, there was the deadline for owners to move their horses out of Baffert's barn if they wanted To start in the kentucky derby if they were still in baffert's barn as of today january 30th ineligible to run in the kentucky derby years past uh most of the owners uh capitulated gave their horses to tim yak team this year they are drawing a line in the sand um i talked to several owners yesterday i talked to Zidane. i I talked to um uh, mike pagram and then uh, also uh John Chirwa in the L.A. Times checked in with Baffert. Not one horse, not one three-year-old has been taken away from Baffert. Now, you're talking about at this point he probably has seven or eight real Kentucky Derby contenders. They are all staying in his barn. All of them will be ineligible to run in the Kentucky Derby. So this opens up a, a lot of stories. But, Zoe, what happens if Nysos wins the Santa Anita Derby by 12 lengths, is undefeated? and then can't run in the Kentucky Derby. I think that's going to make Churchill Downs look pretty stupid.
3: Yeah, it it most likely will. And I think that is the idea moving forward. Listen, they tried going with Tim. Tim's a great trainer, good guy. Things just didn't work out. The Derby gods did not allow it to happen the last couple of years. So they may as well stick with what they know. Keep the horses in Bob's barn. There's nothing wrong with winning the Travers, winning the Preakness winning all kinds of other races and they're going to stick with them. As far as Mike Pegram, his horses never left the barn. He was true and true, one for all and all for Bob. So the rest of the team have opted to stay with Bob. And I personally never thought they were going to leave this year. And I'm I'm glad that that decision has been justified. So we'll see what happens moving forward. Obviously with the drop of the lawsuit against Churchill Downs, I'm sure maybe there was an inkling of hope that they may have Slid the door open, you know, Brian Moore style, just enough for Bob to get his nose in, but that didn't happen. So, Baffert
2: extended the olive branch, and Churchill Lands Incorporated took it and swatted him with it, basically is what is what happened. Bad boy. <laughs> yeah, and uh, I think with a lot of those owners, uh, it was a matter of principle. They felt that yep. Baffert was being unfairly treated, uh, not just with the original two-year ban, but then in particular the extension to twenty twenty four. And I, I think it was really a two-pronged deal. First of all, the three year olds that in the past were transferred to Tim Yakteen, who as you said is a is a good trainer, uh, did not run as well when they left the Baffert barn as they had been running before that. And then but secondly none of them
3: over seller anyway. None of them were like big massive standouts that yeah, true. you know what I mean?
2: Yeah. yeah. And then uh in the last couple of years, Churchill Downs has sort of uh, had its cake and eaten it too, right? I mean, it, they, they banned Baffert, but they still got Baffert's best three-year-olds with a different trainer to go ahead and run in the Kentucky Derby, right? So they really felt no pain in the deal. They really weren't missing out on any of the top horses, like Bill pointed out, which might happen this year with NISOs or maybe some others. So I think maybe the owners felt, hey, you know, this is this might even keep happening if we keep transferring... Uh, our best three-year-olds out of the Baffert barn to other trainers. Churchill Mounds is not being penalized at all here. Uh, And so I think it was kind of a combo platter as to how we got uh, to where we are right now. A lot of owners being uh, very loyal uh, to Baffert.
1: Yeah, and I think this blew up in Churchill Downs' face. And, you know, we don't know what's going to happen with these Baffert horses, but he's Baffert. Uh, he's got seven or eight top contenders. And, um, y- you know, we're going to have a Kentucky, likely have a Kentucky Derby where some of the best three-year-olds in the country are not in the race. I guess they'll point for the Preakness um, a- afterwards. So uh, we'll see what happens there. But uh, I-, I don't think Churchill Downs expected this. And it was kind of a, uh, you know, and, yeah, I think you do should give credit to Baffert's owners for for showing their loyalty. It can't be easy to go out and spend a million dollars on a horse, have the horse, you know, do well for you. And then you can't fulfill the dream of trying to win the Kentucky Derby. So, uh, anyways, uh, on uh, the Pegasus World Cup broadcast with NBC, uh, Belinda Stronek announced they're going to have a Pegasus-like event on September 28th. Uh, at Santa Anita. It's going to be called the California Crown. They haven't uh, decided yet on what the purses are going to be. There's so many moving parts in California with everything that's going on that they have to you know, sit down and figure out what kind of money can be um, uh, put towards this. Uh, the, the race that is going to become the version of the Pegasus World Cup will be the Awesome Again It's uh, a race for three-year-olds and up. They're going to have a couple turf races. The Eddie D is going to be part of this, renamed, I assume, and the John Henry Turf Cup. They also have a a bunch of other stakes races that they normally run during that meet. Um, I'm all for it. Um, I I think it's going to be a great afternoon of racing. Um, I think they've proven they know, as we said, they know know how to put on a big party and Santa Anita is a great place to have it. I got one kind of off the wall uh, take on this though. I wish they would have... Uh, switch the calendar around and made the race the, um, the big cap, a race that is struggling so much because of the c- competition from Saudi Arabia and Dubai. And you can do that. It doesn't have to be run in March, run it in September and uh, call it, you know, call it the California crown or the, you know, the big cap California crown or something like that. And, uh, that would breathe some life into a race that really needs. Some somebody to breathe some life into it. Zoe?
3: I'm looking forward to September the 28th. I have no doubt it's going to be a big day of racing. I mean, we saw at Gulfstream Park, you know, each race, I mean, every race I looked up, there was at least $4 million bet on that particular race, regardless of whether it was a stakes race, allowance race, maiden race, claiming race. It, it didn't matter. The handle was astronomical. Um, And hopefully we can get the same thing out here at Santa Anita for a big day of racing. Yes, the awesome again is going to have to be three-year-olds and up, which is going to be great, not just three-year-olds. And we're going to have a lot of other races moving forward. It'll be interesting to see what kind of musical talent they get. What I think they really need to do is to get a plane, already charter a plane to bring those horses from Kentucky, they're all going to be in Kentucky, New York, get a plane already set up and say, hey, come to California. We're going to fly you out there first class on our plane because that is one of the main problems people get with shipping horses around the country. You can't get them there. It's a nightmare to move horses. Bob's horses had to go through Memphis to get down to Florida. It's just a logistical nightmare to fly horses since we lost Tech Sutton.
2: Let's talk about first racing and Belinda Stronic here for just a second, right? When Belinda won the power struggle with her father and took control of first racing at Santa Anita and at Gulfstream Park, you know, Frank Stronic was a basically a lifelong breeder and he had been really passionate about the thoroughbred industry. We didn't really know how much passion Belinda would bring to the project. And then when when you had all the horse deaths out at Santa Anita a few years ago, there was a big fear Uh, That Belinda would just be, you know, this is too much. I don't want to have to deal with all this, right? And if anything, uh, she's actually doubled down on thoroughbred racing in the aftermath of that. I mean, for decades and decades, people have been talking about the need to expose new people to thoroughbred racing that knew nothing about it. How do you do it? There have been concerts at racetracks since we were kids Right? The old Gulfstream Park used to have a concert series out behind the grandstand all the time. She's taken it to the next level. She has put her money where her mouth is and she's done it. She spent more money on it and she's done it better than anybody else has ever tried to do it. I mean, she, I don't want to say she gentrified the Preakness Infield, but she definitely took the Preakness Infield scene to the next level, right? It's blue collar. Not all blue collar, but mostly blue collar in the infield. Then she transferred that sort of to the Pegasus. It's diamond collar at the Pegasus World Cup, <laughs> right? Uh, she's really going for the upscale at, at the Pegasus World Cup. I mean, some of those uh, couches and some of those tables at the very front are selling for like forty, fifty thousand dollars, yep. and they're selling out, right? You know,
3: you know and who now, had one of those? You know who was uh, there? No,
2: no, no. In fact, I tried to get through to take a shortcut, and they and they stopped me cold. They were
3: like, "No, John Stewart, you can't, can't even walk there.
2: through. You got to go around."
3: Yeah, John Stewart uh, was there. He had one of those bottle service tables. He was having a good uh, old time.
2: So now at San Anita, I guess it might be somewhere in between. Okay, it's not going to be as blue collar as the Pimlico infield. It probably won't be, although it may be as diamond collar as we see at the Pegasus World Cup. Uh, it's going to be fascinating to see how they pull it off.
3: I'm well, I'm you. not
1: going if they don't have Calvin Harris as the entertainment <laughs> Yeah, but uh, well said, Randy. Um, you know, they they really are trying. And um, it's it be great to see that they get a big event like this out at Santa Anita uh, during a time of year where everything that's after Saratoga and Del Mar. So you know, it's kind of otherwise a uh, quiet time of year for uh, horse racing, particularly out in California. So good for them. And let's hope that that is a big success, as big a success as the Pegasus has been.
2: And while we are talking about the Pegasus, and there is a there is a segue here, right? The TD and Riders okay. Room is brought to you by the Pennsylvania Horse Breeders Association. And here's the segue. I'm very busy. We never talked about I'm very busy when we were analyzing the Pegasus World Cup turf. She finished a ground-saving good second with Irat Ortiz behind Warm Heart in the turf. And I'm very busy, trained by Chad Brown, happens to be a Pennsylvania bred. She was bred by Glenn Brock and Mark Tuthaker. Just beaten a half length by Warmheart in that race. If you're interested in breeding in Pennsylvania, breed, you can breed to a registered PA stallion, and you can receive a 40% Breeders Award for finishing first, second, and third. And, of course, also you can be eligible to that PA Sire PA bred stallion series that we always talk about for two-year-olds and now for three-year-olds as well. Check out the 2024 Stallion and Boarding Farm Directory. It's available on the PHBA website at www.pabred.com. PA Bread, I think we've built uh, a brand at this point. The
4: state of Pennsylvania has the best breeders program in the entire United States.
2: Angel of Empire wins the Arkansas Derby and wins it clear. Caravel in the Breeders' Cup Turf Sprint. Pennsylvania and the PHBA have the best state-bred program in the country, bar none. The best Breeders' Awards and stallion Awards in the country. Respect the law. He's earned it. A grade one winning juvenile. Tis the law pops the cork in the champagne. A classic winning three-year-old. Tis the law is going to win the first leg of the Triple Crown. Five triple-digit buyers. Respect. The law. Tis the law! The best son of Red Hot Sire Constitution. He's left the others behind. He's going to win the run, Happy Travers. Tis the law.
1: It's time for the Coolmore Stallion of the Week. And this week, that is Tis the Law, whose first two year olds will race in 2024. Tis the Law comes from one of the best sire lines in the book. His sire, Constitution, it's one of the best young sires in the game. His grandsire, Tapit. Has been one of the most influential and breed shaping stallions of the past half century. And his great grandsire, Pulpit, was a successful stallion at Claiborne Farm. But Tis the Law was a far better racehorse than his sire, grandsire, or great grandsire. In fact, just like his great great grandsire, AP Indy, he won four grade one races, including one as a juvenile and the Belmont Stakes at three. Classic winner, Tis the Law, stands at Coolmore for a what I would think a very reasonable fee of $20,000.
2: The TD and Writers Room also brought to you by the Green Group, a tax accounting and advisory firm, which, of course, as we've told you and told you and told you, we'll keep telling you. It specializes in the thoroughbred industry, and it is designed to save you money at tax time.
1: Welcome in now the Green Group Guest of the Week, and we've got a good one for you this week, Oshin O'Sheen Murphy one of the top European riders three-time champion rider overseas is riding this meet at Gulfstream Park and we thought we'd bring him in to talk about uh why he's come to the States and uh how's he enjoyed to stay here so Oshin, um a, a jockey of your prominence you had a lot of different things you could have cho- chose from this winter maybe Dubai maybe stay at home and just take it easy why'd you decide to uh make this journey over to the United States and ride at Gulfstream
0: well, I've never done a stint uh, in the US and I suppose most young riders um, particularly one who wants to get to a high level does some time in America to learn the tricks of the trade and get some experience on the track and with times and I never had that opportunity before and uh, this time around I was thinking how would I spend January or particularly from uh, after Christmas time into Early spring, and I thought it'd be brilliant to get some experience out here. Aidan Butler from Stronach uh, mentioned that they'd like to have me, and Sheikh Fad, uh, my main employer in Europe, uh, said that he would have some runners. So, um, fortunately, it all worked out, and I've been here a couple of weeks now.
2: So, O'Shane, a lot of people in this country think it's very brilliant to spend a winter or at least part of a winter in the sunshine in South Florida. They spend a lot of money to be able to do that every year. How much of this was also sort of a quality of life thing for you, not being on a plane, going here and there and getting some sunshine?
0: Sure. uh, I suppose that the bottom line is I have traveled a lot even during my time here. I've been to India. I went to Dubai the day before the Pegasus. Um, so unlike most guys who who uh, treat it as a working holiday, um, I've actually still incorporated a lot of travel. But the weather hasn't been too kind to us, but still a lot better than what it would be uh, in Europe. And um, I even this morning I was in the water. I spent some time on the beach, so it's been great to uh, freshen up in that sense uh, with racing from Wednesday to Sunday. And I've been pretty busy, but um, I've uh, I've felt it has been great for me to uh, see a new place, a change of scenery and not have that workload that maybe uh, I associate with my, my summer months in, in England.
3: Oh, Sheen, South Florida is a, is a fun place to be. We're here to talk about the horses. But what is one of the funnest things that you've done thus far in South Florida? I know you're big into show jumping. Have you, have you um, ventured up to Wellington? And had a little bit of a crack at Wellington I, uh, I as well. I got to
0: go kayaking, and uh, we didn't see any alligators, fortunately. But um, <laughs> but uh, but uh, that was uh, quite fun. I tried to push uh, another uh, international rider who's who's Irish and based here for a few weeks, David Egan. I tried to get him into the water. Um, unfortunately, it didn't happen. But maybe I'll get him out there again and. Uh, and see if I can capsize his canoe.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sheen, and, and I'm sure you were aware uh, before you came, it's very hard for a new rider to break into the Gulfstream colony because it has so many great riders uh, up and down the, the, the uh, roster, the OTs brothers, John Velasquez, Javier Castellano, Tyler Gaffleone. You've won five races so far to me that's that's good uh considering uh that you had to come on come in here without any uh, connections are you satisfied with the meet you've had
0: no no i'd like to have ridden uh, a lot more winners uh um but uh, i've tried and in fairness i knew uh, coming here that it wasn't going to be easy i uh, got some really good results on saturday um, which was uh, fulfilling and I felt like I rode well um, over the weekend uh, but uh, of course I always want to do better um, you know I have huge admiration for the guys I've been sitting uh, close to in the waiting room um, I knew coming here that uh, the jockey colony as you alluded to was very strong Um, But I, I, you know, I want to do better. And particularly if I got another chance to come here, um, I'd like to uh, ride many more winners.
2: A great ride on a tone, by the way, the 34 to one shot, the defending champ in the uh, in the Pegasus turf following Ryan Thanks, Moore right. up up through the rail there to finish fourth. And you also had a great ride, obviously, on Maj last fall, not only in the QE2 at Keeneland, but also just getting nipped by Master of the Seas in the Breeders' Cup Mile. What's an update on uh, Maj and some of the other horses you're looking forward uh, to riding in
0: 2024? Yeah, so uh, Maj had a fantastic year last year. She won the Kipco 1000 Guineas, and then she came over to Keeneland and won the Queen Elizabeth and as you said she just got beaten the British Cup mile she ran on Friday in Dubai and uh, she wasn't at her best Um, they haven't made a firm plan uh, where she'll go from now or what her future is Uh, but I suppose uh, she's she was an absolute star for me Uh, Porta Fortuna she won a group one she's owned by some uh, American people Um, and uh, she was great last year. She ran really well at the Breeders' Cup as well, where she was placed. I suppose the chances are uh, she might stay at a mile um, and try running in the English 1,000 guineas or maybe the Irish 1,000 guineas. I haven't spoken to Donica about her uh, recently, but I'm sure he'll be aiming uh, for something like that. Um, and then maybe if the other two-year-olds I have to look forward to, Rama too. Uh, She was second in the pre-morning in France. Uh, It's likely uh, I'll be partnering her uh, in one of the early seasons, Guineas trials, and see how she gets on. And uh, a couple of the old favourites, battle-hardened horses, um, will be staying in training as well. The likes of Middle Earth. So uh, hopefully, um, you know, I won six Group Ones last year. Uh, Hopefully, with a few horses to, to look forward to again this year.
3: What are your plans moving forward, Oshin? Oh, you mentioned you went to India. You won the 1,000 Guineas in India, which I didn't even know they ran one. You've been to Dubai. Where can we expect to see you next? Obviously, Saudi, Dubai again.
0: Yeah, uh, February is a very busy month of, of kind of action in the Middle East. Uh, I'll be riding in Qatar, Saudi, and Bahrain, uh, and, and probably Dubai as well through February. But In between all that, I'll be riding in England, and uh, more importantly than anything, uh, my kind of morning track work schedule will begin as soon as I uh, get back uh, because we'll be trying to prepare horses for the spring and for those um, early season kind of stakes races, uh, guineas, trials, or whatever. They'll all be doing fast work from now on so um it, yeah February is going to be very busy but I'm looking forward to it um Zoe I I uh, I'll be riding here Saturday and then Lingfield there's a couple of listed races on Sunday so um there's kind of no let up in my schedule
1: oh Sheen um you said you came here because you wanted to learn you wanted to get better as a rider what have you learned during your stay here and and what have you done to make yourself fulfill the goal of, of being you know great rider even greater
0: Well, uh, Bill, um, more so than anything, uh, it's amazing. I've got through 10 years of my career without um, uh, ever learning about the horse standing in the gate with their uh, hind legs square, uh, how much faster they can break as a result of that. Obviously, it's apparent to me, or always was, that if they're leaning up against the side of the stalls, uh they're not gonna get out as well as a horse that's standing kind of in the middle um but i never realized that uh having them standing square behind was so important and yeah um you know basic stuff like that uh also maybe um you know on dirt i always knew that if you get stopped at any stage uh it, it can be race over for you but um just watching those top riders uh riding on a daily basis has been great and i suppose i've ridden for uh, some top trainers while i've been here and um, i've enjoyed that and you know hopefully now this week i've got some chances as well to to ride another winner or two um and yeah I've, i've got i just have a lot of admiration maybe for the lads i've been riding against and the the people that have been putting me up as well
2: well, you ride right against some pretty good lads uh, over in Britain. You made a great comeback in 2023 to be second in the British riding uh, standings behind William Buick. You were the champion jockey in Britain in 2019, 2020, 2021. Then, of course, it was huge news over there that you had to miss all of 2022 due to a suspension for alcohol and COVID-related breaches. What did you learn about yourself during that one year? you had to be away? Yeah.
0: Yeah, it was the first time I ever uh, um, had any time away from race riding. I uh, I broke my collarbone like eight years ago, and I came back in twenty three days. Uh, and other than that, I'd never really spent much time away. So um, it was uh, interesting because how do I fill the time and constructively? um how do i manage my money finally i don't have uh an income um i have a tax bill to pay i have show jumpers and horses mares uh to pay for um i really had to grow up and um and yeah, it was food for thought. And to be honest, I uh, I had some great times. I got to jump all over Europe. I rode in Spain and in Portugal. Um, I got to spend time with my family. Uh, but by the time it came to renewing my license and getting back in the saddle, uh, I was very ready. Um, I spent a lot of time in the gym. I had a stone to lose, so uh, like fourteen pounds, uh, six six plus kilos. Um, and yeah my first ride back was a winner and i just got it very lucky to get immediate support i suppose i had even during my time off i kept uh riding gallops for uh andrew balding and any trainers that asked i've been Sarur. Um, so there those trainers were good enough to have me in but then when i was ready to come back uh they put me up which was uh, very important and um, I didn't come back with a huge amount of confidence like any jockey that tells you that they always believe in themselves uh, I think isn't telling the truth Um, you go kind of like a football player you go through periods where you think you're riding very well and then periods where uh, you start questioning your ability and when I came back I wasn't sure if I was going to be as clinical as I was uh in the past, uh would I be um as tactically aware and you know there's all these questions mm. are going through your mind. But fortunately those first couple of months went very well and um uh marge won the Guineas in the beginning of May and it all kind of rolled along. But still the middle of the season, you know, I uh Royal Ascot time even in June, I had six seconds before I got on the score sheet and Um, if you ask me honestly guys looking back I'd have said I rode better Royal Ascot um, 2023 than I had done ever before you know lots of those horses had the perfect run and uh, I just wasn't getting them home in front Uh, whereas maybe in years gone by I got the rub of the green and I might have made an error sat in a position that uh wasn't ideal but they still won. So um you kinda have to take uh the rough and the smooth and try and believe in yourself and um and yeah hopefully this year I can ride uh better than last year.
3: Sounds like you're a bit of a perfectionist there, Oshim You're very hard well,
0: Yeah. Well no uh listen uh You know small things make the difference between winning and losing and um if you take irad or tease or ryan moore or frankie or someone uh, they don't make an awful lot of mistakes and um you know that's kind of what you're looking to achieve
3: for someone who doesn't know you o'sheen just give us a a broader view of yourself as a horseman you mentioned mares we know you're big into show jumping like. Like, what is your life like?
0: Okay, um, okay. So uh, I buy and sell show jumpers. Um, uh, I, I try and do it at, at a decent level. Um, so from maybe 140, uh, 140 centimeter horses up to up to the best, which is one hundred and sixty five. Um, that's kind of what we're aiming towards, and uh, I'll buy. Uh, horses often to sell to america um if they're easy enough to ride or, or and rideability is key and then i have an interest obviously in uh young horses so um i will uh, buy breeze up horses privately and then uh sell them on maybe a couple of weeks later uh i did that with dragon symbol um he I won the Commonwealth Cup with him. I actually got demoted in the stewart's room afterwards uh, for Lady Aurelia. Um, But uh, yeah, I I try and buy at a decent level, and then uh, hopefully the horses achieve. Um, I I'm very interested in the breeding side of it, uh, and kind of all equestrian sports, uh, from eventing and dressage, and um, yeah, the whole way along. I I kind of love the high-level uh, athletes human and equine Oshima we see you back at Gulfstream next year uh, it's an interesting one bill um, I, I will uh, I'll definitely aim to come back uh, and do a similar stint that I did you know there there aren't um, I'm not going to earn loads of money in the month of January here but um, I, I Think the connections i can develop or hopefully keep and grow uh if i return and will serve me well in the future because uh you know some of those top jockeys are are going to retire in the next number of years the likes of johnny v and frankie De and those uh top races like the saudi cup dubai world cup breeders cup classic are worked an awful lot of money and um you know the if One day, if I have enough experience on dirt uh, and can prove myself, hopefully I can stick my hand up or or, or put my hand on the phone and say, um, hi, uh, you know, whatever trainer or owner, is your horse available in this race? I'd love to ride him, you know, so and um, that's kind of uh, that's kind of what I, I need to be looking towards. Yeah.
2: So I want, to, I want to ask one follow-up question about what, you, what, uh, what Zoe asked about your lifestyle. Look, I, I'm involved in the coverage of equestrian sports in this country during the Olympics, the show jumping, the eventing, the dressage. To me, it's fascinating that you're so yeah. involved with the show jumpers. I don't think I've ever heard of a professional rider, flat rider, uh, who's that involved in that part of the equestrian world. And then I also read that you're considering, you would love, to actually be a jump rider, maybe even at Cheltenham this year. Yeah, is, that, um, is that still in the offing? And how, <laughs> how did all this come about?
0: Uh, well, my uncle, uh, Jim Cullity, won uh, three Gold Cups as a jockey. And, won a, and then another Gold Cup as a trainer. And he won the Grand National uh, as a jockey as well. Uh, so I grew up watching him on television. And um, I was lucky when I was a small child. I, kind of followed my show jumping dream and we uh, bought and sold ponies uh through my teenage years um many of them actually to the u.s so and lots of the guys i grew up with jumping those ponies are now based in america as show jumpers um so i i know all those guys and i followed their careers and maybe um when i could afford to start buying a few uh, jumpers um i was on to those guys if if they could help me or if they had any advice or whatever and um and yeah then the with the jump racing side of it my sister manages a race course her name's blowing she's 25 and uh i managed to get myself on a horse at wing canton that i thought would win i would just hurt her track uh for a boy that I, uh, that basically lived down the road from us growing up and it was all uh, going to work out and hopefully the horse was going to win and uh, it rained for about 72 hours and it never happened uh, the race was cancelled so um maybe when I get back uh, sometime in February I'll be able to do that and and if that went well then of course uh, I'd look at, at trying to ride something at Cheltenham but uh, time is running out and um yeah, the the jump jockey dream thing. Uh, to tell you a bit more, before I came back in February last year, I was writing my will, um, and I realised uh, that the solicitor was saying, "Oh, is there anything you know you haven't done uh, that you'd like to do before you die?" and um, God, uh, there is actually, I'd like to ride in a jumps race and I've been putting it off for years and it can never happen because I don't even have my license. It's a separate thing. So um, when I finished with him, I uh, contacted the British Horse Racing Authority and I asked them uh, would they license me and they said, no, you have to do a course. You have to prove that you can jump. Um, So uh, I did that and they Granted it to me, and um, yeah, w- one day you will see me in a jumps race. Uh, hopefully, it'll be soon, but let's see,
2: Zoe. I think we should start a Twitter campaign to get him on Constitution
0: Hill at oh Shelton. Oh my
3: god, <laughs> that <can't> be amazing! <laughs> I'm,
0: I'm very friendly in. with the owner, uh, but I'm afraid uh, Nico boinville um, will put up quite a fight, um, <laughs> to stop me doing that. Yeah, <laughs> I, I
3: know some guys, I know some guys. Yeah. With-
0: Please make it happen. Yeah. You might break a finger. <laughs> yeah.
1: Well, Sheen Murphy, thanks so much for joining us here on the TDN Writers Room podcast. Uh, I think you've done great at Gulfstream. you got a mountain on Saturday for Todd Pletcher, so uh, you uh, are certainly are knocking on the right doors. Um, congratulations on past success, and I do hope you come back next year uh, to Gulfstream. It's always great to see some uh, new talent in the writing room. Once again, thanks so much for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me, guys. Take care.
3: Thanks, O'Sheen.
0: Watch out for those Cheers. aliens. I know, I know. <laughs> Goodness gracious. As the Green Group Guest of the Week, O'Sheen Murphy
2: will receive a free one-hour tax consultation with the Green Group. You might ask, does Lynn Green know anything about the British tax code? Well, O'Sheen Murphy is riding in the United States and making some money in Florida, so he might have to know something about the u.s tax code lynn green might be the man here free consultation for more information on how the green group can save you money www.greenco.com
4: are you paying too much in taxes the green group can help there's a reason the most successful owners breeders and horsemen select the green group as their tax advisors they save you money and share successful strategies Over the past 40 years, the Green Group founder, Len Green, has owned and bred some of the best racehorses in the history of the sport. Like Eclipse Award-winning champions Jaywalk and Wonder Wheel, his DJ stable competes at the highest level and has received the game's most prestigious honors. Len Green's in-depth, hands-on industry knowledge, combined with cutting-edge tax-saving strategies, has produced positive results for his clientele and has made The Green Group the top-rated accounting and tax firm in the thoroughbred business. For a confidential and complimentary consultation, contact us at 732-634-5100 or visit our website at www.greenco.com. The Green Group, proven strategies to save you taxes. With some of the fullest fields in the country and quality racing year round, there's never been a better time to reap the rewards of breeding and
2: racing in Kentucky. Purse money in Kentucky is at an all time high, as is average purse per race, outpacing California, Florida, and New York. Kentucky breads. Breed them, raise them, race them. We all win. Kentucky Breads once again asserted their superiority in grade one races around the world this week. In the Group 1 Al Maktoum Challenge at Maidan, it was Karab Khan who came home first. And, of course, National Treasure took home the top prize, as we've said, Kentucky Bread in the Pegasus World Cup. Also in Dubai, Mendelssohn Bay won the UAE 2000 Guineas, and Mohib took the Group 3 Firebreak Break stakes. Kentucky Bread's winning all over, and you can find your next Kentucky Bread at the Phasic Tipton, Kentucky Winter Mixed Sale. All those dates are February 5 and February 6. Kentucky Bread's breed them, raise them, race them. We all win.
3: Well, it's time for First Things First. While myself and Randy were having a whale of a time at the Pegasus, the four-legged namesake was winning a race at Santa Anita, myself and Doodle set out to find out more about Shamu.
5: New Grange has plenty left in the tank, and it's back-to-back in the San Pasqual for New Grange under Victor Espinoza.
3: Hi, Shamu. All right, Phil, back to back for New Grange. It looks like he's made this year a winning one already.
5: Yeah, I think he's kind of found his stride and his confidence and uh, came out of the race in good shape.
3: Did you ever have any doubt he wouldn't make the lead and Victor aboard him?
5: Yeah, I mean, Victor's great about getting early position, so we all thought it was a good good fit. And uh, when he was where he was at the at the three-quarter pole, uh, you know, I, I was very happy. And uh, it just uh, it unfolded perfectly and, and uh, had enough in the stretch to, to hold off Newgate and get the job done.
3: Who's was the happiest person
5: in your barn, Phil? Oh, of course, my wife. She she gets on him every day. Um, she's been his, pro- you know, that's been her project, and uh, she's great with these big horses. Uh, she also gallops uh, pretty much all my state horses, Desert Dawn and, and the likes, and uh, you know, takes her time, gets along with them, and uh, gets the job done. What uh,
3: what's one of his quirks?
5: Like, why is he a project for Sherry? You know, he, he's just kind of a a, a horse that. Early on he kinda wanted to do things his way all the time and she got him, you know, to do things our way. in um, his gallops, just kinda, you know, find his get into a, a more comfortable stride early and finish strong. He kinda wanted to do do things the opposite, you know, when we got him and, and we've gotten him to relax and finish better.
3: What's the plan? So we going to Dubai?
5: I, I'd say we're definitely leaning towards that way. Um, you know, we got plenty of time, but you come out of the race in good shape. And uh, you know, he's a horse. I don't think a, a mile and a quarter uh, would hurt him any. He's got that big, long stride, nice tactical speed. Does not need the lead, but I know. But he, you know, he needs to be forwardly placed. Uh, but all those things are are uh, you know g- good traits to have when you run in big races.
3: Did you have to buy in mind even before the race because you put Victor on and Victor in my mind's a good rider, but he's certainly not hot at the moment.
5: Yeah, I mean he's he's uh, he, he, Victor's uh, good friends with the owners and uh, has a good rapport with them. I've won graded stakes with Victor in the past, and you know to, to draw on his experience in in big races like this, you know that's that's what you you need, and you know it, that proved uh, very useful.
3: Thanks, Phil. Thanks. Hello, Shamu. Great to find out about Shamu there and a really, really good to talk to trainer Phil D'Amato. Well, Santa Anita does continue this weekend. We'll have a 12.30 post time on Friday. And on Saturday, it's the first racing tour. The first leg kicks off with races from Gulfstream Park, and of course, Santa Anita will have four stakes here, highlighted by the Bob Lewis, which we will get to in just a moment. Guys? Well,
1: it's going to be a big weekend of racing with four Triple Crown Kentucky Derby prep races on tap. This is definitely going to be the biggest weekend of the year so far for the three-year-olds. We've got the Holy Bull at Gulfstream Park. We've got the Southwest at Oaklawn, the Robert B. Lewis at Santa Anita, and the Withers at at aqueduct let's start with the holy bull because that's where we find last year's two-year-old champion fierceness be making his first start of the year for todd pletcher and uh coming off the big win in the breeders cup juvenile eclipse award winner etc there's some other fairly nice horses in the race otello is uh two for two for uh, christophe clement he'll be interesting uh hades for our old friend um John Green uh, won an allowance race last time out by eight, albeit it was for, for Florida Breds, but got a pretty good buyer figure of eighty four. But um, Zoe, no reason whatsoever to believe that Fierceness just wouldn't dominate against this field. He's just a lot better than them. You know how cranked up will he be? That's always a question. But Todd's horses are always ready to go. But other thing, don't keep in mind: only two Breeders' Cup Juvenile winners in forty years have come back to win the Kentucky Derby. Can he be number three? Well, certainly looks like he's got a good chance, but uh, it's just a starting point. But uh, I think we're going to see a uh, uh, an easy win from him over uh, over match competition.
3: He definitely looks like the horse to beat. Delighted, you know, that Johnny V has a Kentucky Derby mount, you know, probable Kentucky Derby mount going forward, all things going well. Looks like the horse to beat, but he's thrown in clunkers before. Um, he's been working right along for trainer Todd Pletcher who seems to be just brilliant at getting horses ready off of four furlong works. But there's a work in here that jumps off the page down there at Palm Beach. It's not often you see a horse working 59 and two because that is a slower race track. And even when Todd works horses on fast race tracks, they don't work that fast. They go 101 and gallop out in 116 and gallop out in 127 and then the mile in 140. That's how he gets them ready. That 59 and change just jumps off the page for me. Um, I do like Hades in here. You know, if you listen to Mike Rapoli's long, long speeches on Eclipse Awards night, you may have heard him mention Ocala Stud who do an awful lot of work for them in prepping the babies and also breeders on good horses. They are the breeders on Hades, a son of awesome slew who is an underrated Florida bred sire uh, down there. They paid only 130,000 for him. And Hades does look like he could be better than that state bred allowance race. He just had, I mean, he ran a pretty good number there, 84 by a speed figure.
2: Yeah, we're we're doing this race on NBC. As a matter of fact, uh, we'll have uh, six races we're doing on Saturday, uh, including the Robert B. Lewis out at Santa Anita. We'll do the last four at Gulfstream and then a couple from Santa Anita. Uh, And looking at this race, I was going to say fierceness was one to five, but I think that's being conservative. I think he's probably going to be, you know, one to 10 or one to 20, I think, when they they finally uh, leave the gate in here. Uh, He's that much of a favorite on paper. Um, his Breeders' Cup Juvenile was just awesome. And yeah, I mean, there's not a lot of history there for Breeders' Cup Juvenile winners going to the Kentucky Derby. And the last three Breeders' Cup Juvenile winners that Todd Fletcher has, have, has trained didn't even make it into the starting gate for the Kentucky Derby, right? Um, so we'll see how fierceness uh, uh can uh, can go you know going forward how I can do going forward because of the short price, if you're going to bet the race I, I think the only real way to do it is just to concede the race to fierceness and then just figure out okay who's going to run second behind him and I share your uh, your opinion about Hades's uh, allowance win against Florida Breads he looked very good when he broke his maiden he got in trouble early so you, that he was, was much better than that and he showed that the next time he ran but. Here's what I'm concerned about, and you see this all the time gambling. Hades might be the second best horse in the race, okay? But the way the race is going to be run, Paco Lopez is going to go to the lead probably from post one on Hades. Hades has speed, and Paco's a speed rider, and he has post one. Fierceness, though, is going to be locked right up on his outside. And fierceness is better than Hades. And when fierceness, when they say go on fierceness, uh, if they can even keep him off the lead down the backstretch, it's probably – a lot of times it'll break the heart of the horse that was in front. So even though Hades might be the second best horse in the race, I don't think he's the best candidate to finish second when he's got to lock horns early with fierceness. So to me, I think there are three or four horses out of, that came out of the mucho macho man. And if you go back and you watch the mucho macho man, uh, Otello was about three or four lengths the best in there probably. I mean, and Vagold also had a little bit of traffic trouble, but Otello Two starts, two wins. Both times, got in some serious trouble. Uh, Christophe Clement said the horse must like getting in trouble because uh, he, you know, he seems to find it. But he always, uh, so far, he seemed to get himself out of it. So to me, that's the that's the uh, almost a gimme exacta. Fierceness over Otello.
1: All right, let's head to Oaklawn, the Southwest Stakes. I I can still can't get used to this. A Grade Three race with a purse of eight hundred thousand uh, dollars they just boy are they giving away serious money at oakland uh this race was scheduled for um a week ago two weeks ago when they had all that crazy weather in oakland they had to cancel they reschedule it for uh this weekend um unlike the fierceness ho- race holy bull a much more wide open field um carbone is undefeated for steve asmussen that horse will certainly take some money I, i'm uh, gonna be interested i'd like to see just steel uh, do something here uh, because it wasn't. it's just the Triple Crown is more fun when Wayne Lucas is involved. It's been a, an erratic horse but his last couple races are, are probably good enough to make him a contender here. Um, Randy, what did you come up with in the uh, Southwest Stakes?
2: Uh, as it often is at Oakland Park in the Southwest or the Rebel, I think it's going to be all about Baffert. Uh, he's shipping in Windstock from Southern California who won the Los Al Futurity. Uh, uh, really fought pretty gamely, uh, defeating uh, Stronghold in that race. Uh, got a nice number. Uh, he'll be on the engine, as all Baffert horses are. Uh, I, I think he, you know, he deserves top billing. And he's four to one right now on the program line. I don't expect that to really happen. Uh, when Baffert ships horses to Oakland, it's uh, amazing the success level that they have. And a lot of the other leading contenders in here have early speed as well. I mean, Carbone is coming off a nice win last time out in an allowance race at Oakland going a mile. Uh, He went wire to wire. A big number at the fairgrounds for Maycox Bay, a Mike Stidham horse who won an allowance race there. Uh, He went wire to wire. Um, So it's uh, Mystic Dan was uh, right up on the pace in the Smarty Jones. So you should get a pretty contentious pace in here. But still, uh, I think the way Baffert's horses typically run at Oakland, Winstock is going to be the one to beat.
3: Listen, he will not take kickback. He won't take any dirt in his face. That was the, his problem with his first two starts around one turn. When Calfrey Frey won on him, he just sent him to the lead and he ran off. In the Los Alphas Turity, he got Calfrey Frey again and he managed to rate him just a little bit that day. He was much, the much the best coming from the one hole. Um I just checked the weather really quickly because it always, always rains on a Saturday when there is a three-year-old Kentucky Derby prep at Oaklawn. I can't tell you how many years I was there when just got absolutely sopping wet. He's going to rain on Saturday. Uh, Winstock by Solomini, who's by Carolyn out of a flatter mare. That is like off-track breeding like you've never seen before. I believe he's the horse to beat. He'll certainly be in there for as long as he can. He's a big, huge horse with a head only a mother could love. So he could easily win by that giant head of his. It's win stock for me, but Carbone is a very good horse for trainer Steve Asmussen. A lot of people will be looking at the breeding and thinking, oh, Matoli never went long. Never really got the shot, but he was pretty damn good going a one-turn mile. We all remember that. So I got no problem with Carbone stretching out. He's already won going a mile at Oaklawn, and he's going to be extremely tough as well. Those would be the top two for me.
1: Winstock is a New York bread. Don't see many of those in the Bob Baffert barn, but cost a pretty penny at the sale, 700,000 at Ocala, April. Uh, Zoe, we don't have the PPs out yet, so I got to rely on you. What do you know about the Robert B. Lewis?
3: Uh, Well, I reached out to the racing secretary, um, Jason Egan, this morning, and he gave me the list of probables. Bear in mind, we're taping this on Tuesday morning. We have Ace of Clubs, Better Than Gold. Coach Prime, he was third in the Los Turity to Winstock last out for Baffert. Moonlit Sonata, a maiden winner. Nysos is going. I also reached out to Bob Baffert Ooh. and said, Is Nysos going? And he said, Yes. And then you have Scatify for Sadler. So it looks like Baffert will be trying to win on not only Southern California, but also at Oakland, which is something. He has done many times before, winning both of those. So NISOs will definitely be the one to beat in there.
2: So, so right now, I mean, it, on February the 3rd in three-year-old prep races, it looks like we might have arguably the number one and the number two contenders early for the Kentucky Derby in fierceness in Florida and in Nysos in California. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm.
3: So it's going to be a, a good Saturday. The first Saturday, you'll be on NBC, right? CNBC? santanito and goldstream
2: i think that's right
1: remember this is the race last year where there was a four horse field all four trained by bob baffert so it's nice to see we get a little bit more diversity into this race but um yeah uh baffert uh nice you know the, the thing about nice is it'll be his first race around two turns so we'll learn a little bit more about him um coming up on a
2: saturday and they oh. already have the preakness circled on their calendars
3: Absolutely. And do I have a segue for you? I'm, I'm just catching up to Randy. The TDN Writers' Room is brought to you by XBTV. And guess who the XBTV workout of the week is? It's Nisos, who drilled five furlongs in 59 and three for Bob Baffert on Sunday. Now, he's won his past two races by a combined 19 and a quarter And looks like he will be going forward in the Bob Lewis. And if you just watch him, he was a little late switching leads there, but he did finally switch leads and just draw away from his workmate. As always, Bob working the better horse on the outside. Now, so does look outstanding going forward into the Bob Lewis.
4: All the thrills. Fraction of the bills. Experience the power of the partnership. Change your life, make new friends, and compete at the highest level of thoroughbred racing. West Point Thoroughbreds, the gold standard in racing partnerships. Visit westpointtv.com.
2: TD and Writer's Room, also brought to you by West Point Thoroughbreds. A couple of big wins in New Orleans for West Point this past weekend, courtesy of Foxfire, that's trained by Cherie DeVoe, and SWAT Analysis, who was trained by Mark Cassie. Coming up now, West Point has a lot of irons in the fire this weekend. On Saturday, on the Southwest Undercard, is the $150,000 King Cotton Stakes at Six Furlongs. Jackson Traveler is co-owned by... Uh, by West Point, right? Trained by Steve Asmussen. Steve Asmussen and trainer Chris Hartman have six of the eight starters total in the King Cotton. Also, West Point has three-year-old sprinter Legalize, who won the Sugar Bowl at the fairgrounds. He'll be one of the favorites in the Swale Stakes on the Holy Bull undercard at Gulfstream Saturday. A couple of races before that, Born Noble, co-owned by Winstar. Trained by Todd Pletcher, this was the horse that got the 93 buyer speed figure in his career debut. Todd told Jerry Bailey and I this past weekend up at Palm Beach Downs he was looking for an allowance race for the horse. He hoped it would fill. Well, it did, and it's on Saturday's card in Eight Horse Field going that one-turn mile distance at Gulfstream Park. Merritt, a horse that had a 10-length maiden win for Saffy Joseph at Gulfstream, is in there. And so is a horse called Ari's Magic, who had an impressive maiden win at Tampa Bay Downs for Christophe Clement. So Bourne Noble has a little bit of competition in there on Saturday. If you're interested in joining a West Point partnership and being vaulted into the world of instant camaraderie, you can visit westpointtb.com for more information.
1: Well, guys, that's a wrap on this week's show. I want to thank my partners, Randy Moss and Zoe Kamen. Zoe, thanks for going up on the platform uh, and getting our Eclipse Award last week. Uh, and thanks also to Anthony uh, and Aliyah LaRocca, who joined you. And uh, it was great to see you guys with those big smiles uh, on camera. And um uh, that was my highlight of the Clips Awards. Not Mike Rapoli's f bombs. How about that?
3: Well, Randy, was there. Randy, you know, picked up two, and so kudos well, we, to Randy. We can't
2: compete. We can't compete with Randy. We uh, just just can't. So. Uh, yeah, I was can. I was I was sitting at my table cheering for the TDN crew as they were as they All were right. expecting.
3: it. was it was well a done. lot of fun. So just glad to be there. Great weekend. Your glasses you're wearing. You need to wear more often, Bill. They look good oh, on thank you.
1: Here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. Once again, want to thank Randy and Zoe, our Green Group Guests of the Week, O'Sheen Murphy, our producers, Katie Petruniak and Anthony LaRocca, and our editors, Aliyah LaRocca and Nathan Wilkinson. Should be a great weekend of racing. We'll talk more about it next week on the TDN Writers Room Podcast. Thanks for joining us.